you can take shortcuts you can still make money but then what's the point you know uh-huh. if you if you if you if you want to build something that is sustaining for a long period of time then you drive it with the principles and do all the hard things that are needed uh-huh. <laughs> for creating something like personal ai and that's the reason why it's personal ai it's a personal ai brand everybody should have one uh-huh. everybody ai a rapidly evolving field that has the potential to transform every aspect of our lives from the way we work and communicate to the way we think about and solve problems join me as i chat with the founders builders and innovators in the industry about the latest advancements in ai and how they're changing the way we live work and interact with technology my name is kevin rosenquist welcome to zero shot my guest today is Sumin Kanagante, founder and CEO of Personal.ai, a company that is building AI models not based on GPT-3 and information from the internet, but instead based on your individual data. Sumin, welcome. Kevin, thanks a lot for having me. So this product is fascinating, very fascinating. And from, from what I can tell, it's, there's kind of two main functions. And one of them is an AI assistant, if you will, that can help or even automate messaging and stuff for you. And then also a tool to help people keep track of things, improve their memory, or at least not forget a variety of things. Is that, is that, are those pretty much the two, the two functions? Yeah, those are the two functions. Second function is probably the primary core thesis and primary core philosophy of what we are trying to achieve. And the first one kind of is a, you know, second product, secondary product, because once you have your AI, you can use it in the form of an assistant. So, so the memory portion of it, that's sort of what you're trying to help people with just keeping, is it more like, you know, more like keeping just busy, you know, business people on track or people that might have actual memory issues or a little bit of both? Um, it's both. I mean, we, we position it as a, it's a it's very broad um, concept, right? Like memory is a concept. Everybody has memory. Everybody has memory challenges. Uh, but it's not just like a memory aid as much as it's about uh, being able to create a model that mimics your voice, your expression with your own knowledge and with your own facts and with your own opinions as well, right? So rather it be simple factual recall uh, of information for yourself or for somebody else, or it could be a collective synthesis from your own mind to be able to, you know, form an opinion on a topic or give you a perspective on a subject. Um, So the key is it's a language model that focuses on replicating or mimicking an individual mind, if you will. Okay. Okay. Can you give me an example of, of kind of what you were talking about? Um, yeah, sure. Let's, let's talk like super basics, right? Super simple things. Um, Kevin, Kevin, um, I would want to know your background, right? But I'm sure you mentioned your background, you know, to many other people on this podcast or, you know, some other places. So if it, the information already exists within your data corpus, your AI will automatically kind of draft that response for you so that you can send it to someone. So anything that you say once or anything that you type once, you don't have to say it again because it already represents who you are and your voice and your authenticity. Okay. Okay. So you can, can you can upload, I noticed, I know you can like attach it to your Twitter account. Is that, is that correct? 
Sure, you can attach it to your Twitter account. You can upload your documents. Uh, soon, you'll be able to upload your historical conversational data, such as you know your text messages, people. Uh, but more importantly, we also design personal AI more like a chat application. So it's not a you know human to AI interface as much as it's a human to human chat interface with AIs in the loop. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you would simply come to the platform. Um, you would start talking to me. Uh, invite your friends, invite your family, your communities, your colleagues, your team members. You can create groups. You can create lodges, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like all the things that you would expect from a messaging application. But the beauty is, anything that you send, either it be a form of text, a piece of information, or a statement, or a link, or an attachment, will all be trained on to start representing you in your first-person voice, right? And any receiving message like whether from me or the group or team, any different context, it will understand the context and it appears to be within your data corpus already, then it will construct the response on your behalf that you can review it and you can send it. Uh, and you can, sh- that will be in, you know, in your co-pilot mode, which is like essentially, it's kind of augmenting your typing in the communication. But over a period of time, if it feels good enough for specific people, specific groups, you can choose to set it in an autopilot mode where you are traveling and your team can still communicate with you and get value out of your mind. Wow. So can, so can you, can I upload episodes of my podcast and it'll learn me or, uh, or learn about me or is it, uh, is it more, is it more about documentation? Nope. Uh, you can literally upload your podcast and it should technically learn about you. And in fact, I have a blog article about putting podcasts as well. Okay. Um, for the, at the simplicity, our, our core thesis is it's a AI for every consumer. It's a model that is uniquely uh, trained for every individual. We maintain a data corpus for every individual. So at the basis, we wanted to give a tool for people to not overthink this training of the data as much as start communicating, mm-hmm. right? And everything else is done on your behalf. And you will have your own AI that you own, the data that you own, the model that you will keep forever, that will start representing and mimicking like you. Hmm. So I uh, I was chatting with my AI self earlier today. I'm on. I got on the uh, I got on the platform, and uh, it's funny. Have you? you, you I, I message me. What's what's that? You didn't message me. Oh, was I supposed to message you? I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. I was, I was <laughs> messaging myself. Was I not supposed to do that? <laughs> no, of course you can message yourself. <laughs> I was telling myself all about myself. It was great. <laughs> My favorite thing to do is listen to myself talk. I'm a podcaster. So, I mean, it works great for me. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's good. I mean, you know, jokes is right, but I, like imagine how many times we message ourselves. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. like I message our, myself all the time. It's like uh, because yeah, sure. You know, the previous way of like writing a note, I'm terrible. I'm terrible at like using any note taking application. Mm-hmm. I I don't know what it is. I just have to communicate, and sometimes it's communicating with yourself, and that's the reason why even my notes it goes into messaging application, which is like messaging myself. <laughs> uh, and that's the concept behind it. Like you can message yourself and tell that. You know, and your AI is constantly like learning almost immediately. So I think that's the beauty of integrating into, you know, the process of daily communication. 
Yeah, I noticed at at first. Uh, the more I talked with it, the more it started catching on to what what who I who I mm-hmm. am, you know. And I told mm-hmm. about my past and all that, and then I I, I kind of followed your tutorial and or the tutorial on your website and talked about you know uh, my my past, where my career path, where I live, and all that kind of stuff. And then I started asking it questions about myself, and you know, it was like I was like, okay, it's getting it, it's it's learning me. It's learning me. I actually did you. Yeah. I, I watched uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine last night. Have you ever seen that movie? Sure, of course. Yep. Well, mm-hmm. it's funny because like I, I as I was like doing this, I was thinking about Ryan Gosling's character and his like virtual wife or his virtual girlfriend or whatever, and like I, I couldn't okay. help but think about that because I, I think maybe because I was interacting with, I felt like I was talking to a person. You know what I mean? I told I I legitimately thought I was talking to a person, but you're not. And that's, but I, but I think it's cool. And and so the more obviously the more data you feed it, the more it's going to, it's going to learn and communicate more like you. Yeah, yeah. And you know the, the motivation for us is um, literally like push the model and the limits to get to the point where it represents that individual person, right? Um, and it's it's not about like simulating a person. It's not it's not it's not about just like fun. It's it's actually sure. it has to produce some utility and it has to be closer to who you are and you basically own your identity, right? Like this is my AI and you control everything about it, meaning what data is going in, what data is going out, when you want copilot, when you want autopilot, when so there should be no difference. It's not like AI bot that is a separate thing. No, this is basically your account, it's Kevin. And you have this extension of Kevin, which in the form of, you know, your AI, which technically knows everything about you and it's continuous bi-directional sync of, you know, uh, uh, the things that you're learning as well as the things that you're creating, um, which I think is kind of beautiful in seven ways. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that that kind of the, the bigger function of it is in the memory part portion was there a particular experience or sort of a an aha moment that pushed you to want to build this mm-hmm. yeah um so i think a little bit of context right uh, me as an individual like i just generally like to create experiences that are very close to humans it has to have like a step up in the experience of what you're trying to create Okay, you know, 10x efficiency is great. That that creates like good businesses, but there is something about um, like changing how we experience everyday lives. So, in my previous company, uh, it's called Iva. It was a technology to augment the missing visual information for people who are blind and low vision. Right? It kind of reimagined how you know, blind community kind of thinks about like negotiating with the physical environment, like experiencing Disneyland, reading children's books, you know, confidently traveling around the world. And during that company, um, I met an individual who was my co-founder as well as my investor. His name is Larry Bock. Uh, He passed away because of pancreatic cancer. But boy, he taught me a ton, like within a short period of time, like, you know, within 18, 18 months of time just like creating, you know, entrepreneurship because I was, you know, a kid, like trying to figure out how to create, you know, companies and build products. And after he passed away, I had this month of like, what would Larry do, right? It worked for a period of time, but I always wish like there was Larry's AI, not just like from an emotional connection, but also from a, like intellectual connection, right? 
because yes, I can get all the data from the internet to probably answer the same thing, but what the internet is missing is a connection and a trust with the person that like, okay, I'm going to implement into my life and take action on it, right? Mm-hmm. And that cannot be understated. Like we all have people around our lives. And when there is a human to human connection, it's, it's magical. So in a way, it's not like, for, us, for me, it's not about this artificial general intelligence, which I think there will be application for it. For me, it's about millions and billions of artificial personal intelligence. And everybody should have their own model that actually mimics them in their truest form and they take control of it. It's like, think about assets now, that this has to be your digital asset mm-hmm. that defines your presence on the internet. I like that. I like that. We do. I I deserve my own AI, right? Everybody does. <laughs> I mean, come on, think about it. Yeah. I mean, we have homes, we have things that that we own. We have pockets in our devices. Like, but what do you own on the internet? Nothing. Mm-hmm. You don't own anything. So, wouldn't it be nice to just have like, you know, the entirety of your digital life packed into? something meaningful that represents your like digital memory and that represents like you in the form of this AI model that can potentially help you today with communicating with other people, but maybe tomorrow when you're super busy helping some other people, and maybe once you pass away, it is still alive and you mm-hmm. can still have a conversation with it. That's a good point. I mean, think about it. The utility of us like taking control of your own thing create your own AI, it has to be a digital asset. Your, your background is, is pretty vast from robotics engineer, systems engineer, systems architect. You've worked for some big companies, and including Intuit and Qualcomm and Caterpillar. What, what led you into the world of AI? I, I'm a technologist for sure, but however, uh, I don't know. I, the, the, the thought process that I tend to take is almost like, problem first. Okay, what is the core fundamental thing that you're trying to solve? There was a point in my life, I was super confident about all the technologies that I can potentially deal with, right? As you said, like I've been everywhere, you know, engineering, software engineering, uh, robotics. So it's like, okay, what's next? And I had no clue anything about the businesses. And if I had to pick some uh, you know, creating something of my own, specifically around the products, because I was creating products at Intuit. Um, I, you know, picked up this core thesis of you don't solve the human, you solve the problem. So it doesn't start with the technology, it started with the problem and figure out what the solution is. And that kind of led me into, you know, working with wearables in my previous company, which is Ira, basically used smart glasses for the blind person. And then you teleport the blind person's view into a remote uh, human agent that they basically experience it remotely to give that visual description in life, right? Uh, and, and there was AI back in my previous company as well, but it was a you know variable device technology first, and then AI was a secondary like a benefit. When it came down to personal AI, the core thesis is okay. Hang on, we want to be able to access this person's thoughts and minds and whys in a conversational manner in their purest form. And at the core, it seems to be that we need to preserve people's 
like memories, not just in terms of like what I remember from the past and emotional nature of it, but also like true intent on how people synthesize information and gather information. And the solution is AI, right? So I didn't start with the AI, start with this is what I want to solve for. And obviously the answer is AI. Uh, same thing goes with um, how we ended up like using the blockchain because at the core of our thesis was, hey, you are talking about this, like creating digital memory wall. So you got to give this ownership of, you know, data to people. You know, memories are private. You got to respect it. Mm -hmm. So let's go with what it needs to be. Uh, but how do you guarantee, how do you provide this privacy? How do you provide this ownership? And the answer was, oh, there is this technology called blockchain. Can we use the private keys of the blockchain to apply it? And then there is AI to solve the experience and then there is blockchain to solve for privacy and ownership. So why not? We will use it. And there's obviously like, you know, different philosophies and people fight with, uh, are you crypto native? Are you AI native? Or like, why do you have to use the both? But look, at the end of the day, we have certain principles on how we want to create this experience with personal AIs that will create certain benefits of communicating and accessing different people. And we need to give the level of trust that we as a company would want to. So guess what? We will use the technologies that will solve those problems. Mm -hmm. So as an entrepreneur in the AI space, how do you maintain a balance between driving innovation and managing the responsibilities that come with building a startup? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, right now AI is quite a boom, obviously, and we've been <laughs> just, at just it for a touch, yeah. now. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, even like two years ago, Kevin, like when we talk about personal AI, people wouldn't believe. Like it's like no, you know, it's it's too far out, right? You know, maybe ten years out, like it's science fiction. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? It's all happening right now. Um, and the approach that we took was, you know, coding and developing these personal language models that are more optimal for small amounts of data that is centered around the individual, that is first-person data, it's 120 million parameters, yada, yada, et cetera. Um, and meanwhile, there was another parallel effort with the large language models, like aggregating all the data and the use cases that we have seen with GPT-3 and now ChatGPT, right? And the next phase is basically, oh, okay, hang on, there is this other approach, which is small models that needs to apply for, like, you know, personal AI. I think whenever we start thinking about human-centered approach or augmented technologies, you got to start with like the principles of it. Principles as in, okay, what is the most fundamental thing? We don't want to share the data. Okay, how do you create the models if you're not sharing the data? Well, that's the problem to solve. And that's, that's kudos goes to my uh, CTO, Sharon, who figured out, you know, leveraging the foundational models, but actually creating a unique model for every stack that exists. Uh, so I think responsibility comes with intention and intention comes with like right set of principles that, you know, are fundamentally what uh, should drive, I guess, the experiences with the control uh, that is needed. You can take shortcuts, you can still make money, but then what's the point? You know, uh -huh. if, you, if, you, if, you, if you want to build something that is sustaining for a long period of time, then you drive it with the principles and do all the hard things that are needed mm -hmm. <laughs> for creating something like personal AI. And that's the reason why it's personal AI. It's a personal AI brand. Everybody should have one. Mm -hmm. Everybody. Well, the, the technology in this sounds incredible. What, what, in your opinion, 
what are the characteristics that make a great AI engineer? How can someone succeed oh. in the space? Great AI engineer. Um, we have few AI engineers. So let me think. That's an interesting question. Characteristics. I think being more curious about what the models will allow you to create what sort of an experience. In other words, uh, you know, there is obviously data involved. There are best practices involved on how to structure the data. There are modeling technique that is involved and there is tuning that is involved. But if you are able to apply on how a specific model tuning or a specific uh, application of the data structure is solving kind of what kind of experience to the end user, that likely will drive a lot more uh, ROI in every minute that is spent in working on these models. Uh, so that's probably what I would say. Just be more curious about the end result of, you know, the work that you're doing that will drive a specific experience. Mm -hmm. I want to chat uh, some, some more use cases for personal AI. I read the Washington Post article that you were interviewed uh, in about using AI in the dating world. Uh, it was very, very interesting to me. I did some online dating before I met my wife, and uh, but the apps came along after I was married, so I don't have any experience with the apps. But talk about how you see AI changing how we date and, and what role personal AI has, has in that. Goes back to the basics. Personal AI is all about the authenticity and the accuracy of the model, right? So if you think about generally large language model, there are a couple of fundamental differences, which is large language model do not care about attribution or there is no incentive to attribute any of the output back to the original creator. And, and because of that, you know, you want to anonymize the data because you specifically do not want to, you know, code specific uh, people as well. Uh, for us, it's exactly the opposite. We want 100% attribution we created something called a personal score or a unified score that will tell you how authentic on a zero to hundred percent scale is this particular AI response as if it is something from you. Yeah, I saw that when I was playing around so, with the, the chat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that needs to, I mean, of course, like the more broader and the more depth that you get within your own life, how you would want to shape your own AI that will kind of represents, you know, who you are and and over a period of time, it can get to like 90, 95% as well for some of the topics. So when it comes down to relationships, dating is a form of relationship and you are trying to establish a relationship. You are trying to establish a connection. And specifically in the case of dating, it's, a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an important one. So you might rather, if you're leveraging AI, you might rather be more authentic so that uh, you meet people that are, you know, true to who you are rather than, you know, in the moment instant uh, impression that, you know, potentially a flirty AI can create, right? I mean, what's the point? I mean, it, it, like humans are who they are, so might rather as well create an AI for who you are mm -hmm. rather than trying to impersonate something else. And we can leave that impersonation to large language <laughs> for something else. But our core thesis is, uh, this model has to be uh, authentic to 
that, that individual human feels comfortable, that they trust, right? They can mm-hmm. leverage on a day-to-day basis uh, for most of the things that are happening around them. And that's the whole core thesis of Washington Post article. Yeah, I thought when I was reading it, I was thinking about the fact that, you know, because some of the other products that they mentioned, you know, on helping people sound, you know, maybe more polished, maybe more confident, whatever, whatever that is, is great. But at the same time, I could see that people would be pretty skeptical or, or even dislike the idea that someone could be like, utilizing a large language model to speak for them, because then you're not getting an authentic person. And it sounds like, what you're doing is trying to keep the authenticity within that person, maybe take some some of the nerves out and still talk like you would normally talk if you weren't crazy nervous or something like that, right? Yeah, and it's also choice, right? In other words, um, your experience personally, I it, you still have the choice of a co-pilot or an autopilot, right? So if I'm asking you, hey, you know, what are your favorite things to do? Do you like you know chocolate ice cream because that's what I like to do, eat on Saturday evenings, right? Um, and if, if your AI does know about that information, and if your AI does create a response for, for you, you still have a choice to either send it, edit it, or not do it. But eventually, um, it, you know, if, if that relationship extends, like for example, my wife right now, she's okay to have conversations with me on some things in an autopilot mode, like in my autopilot mode. Uh, because she understands the system is like, oh, okay, yeah, this is the right information and this is not the right information. I think, so I think the important thing is like, give people the choice, give people the control and let them figure out like what is working in our favor in what kind of situations and when, right? So I think that's important. What kind of situations do you see that the auto feature being useful? I mean, just think about professor-student relationship. Right, there's a lot of information exchange that is going on. It's mostly factual. It's mostly opinionated. It may have some synthesized versions of it. So if a professor is unavailable, like you know, for hundreds of students, or maybe traveling around, go on an airplane. Like instead of putting airplane mode, put your AI in the autopilot mode, right? Uh, <laughs> and you're still creating value in the most authentic manner that you would. That, that, that you can. And then after um, you land, yeah. then you go back and you see how your auto, how do your auto mm, uh, pilot responded. And then you can kind of catch up with what happened. Is that, is that how it kind of works? Yeah, exactly. And then uh, typically we have this uh, emojis, right? Like you can basically just emoji it and, you know, swipe right to the emoji. It's like a blue stamp, like verified. Yes, done. Good mm-hmm. to go. But everything is already done for you. All you have to do is like swipe right. Um, yeah, so I think, I mean, the applications are many. I think it's, uh, the power is in people's hands. Uh, we are opening up our way at least right now, and it's free to start, and the data is owned by the people, model is owned by the people. So we're just taking a little bit harder approach to get to the point where we would want to be because um, once people understand the intensity of uh, the models and the authentic nature of it and the control that goes with it, then... Everybody should have their own personal AI. <laughs> you, you mentioned that your your wife is comfortable talking to your auto your autopilot without you know without prying and and keep it clean. This is a, a family show, but but what kind of stuff does does she communicate with you in an autopilot mode? I mean, it could be simple things, right? It could be task oriented things as well, like meaning you know when am I traveling to New York, right? Where am I staying? 
uh, okay. because those pieces of information normally in my day to day is already went in, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, right? And sometimes it can be funny things. Sure. Uh, you know, do you you know do you, do, you, do you prefer to eat outside today or not? Maybe some things are like random, but still it is kind of somehow influenced with my favorite food items. Let's say like, hey, what do you want to eat for dinner on Saturday? And it'll say it's like sushi, right? Because like my aunt typically is my favorite. What is sushi? Yeah, I was like, like, what okay, is it not sushi? It we all, it's always sushi, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So 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 I think I think it depends again on the like relationship and the topic and the context. If it is my team, for example. Uh, my, uh, yeah, even like, you know, speaking of the Washington Post, like I do have people who talk to the media, right. And they typically have like set of questions and like, you know, what is my perspective on personal AI and how is it tied to memory and what is it relationship with IRA? Like it is like all these intricate related questions that you get in, but my, my AI pretty much like knows everything about me right now, especially, you know, in my professional world. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, they use my AI in the autopilot mode to basically kind of brainstorm, if you will, like getting all the things that I would normally say, synthesize them. Uh, and then, you know, they may still choose to edit it if they would want to, but technically I'm hands off. Otherwise I would have to provide my opinion or get on a Zoom call or talk about what I think about certain topics or give the document and maintain a list of things like yada, yada, yada. And, but 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 in, in in here the beauty is you are carrying the context of what people would want to ask like how their question is posed right and then it's like composed you know based on all the things that i would say so are you saying you're not really here right now design. is that what you're saying you're not really part of this conversation <laughs> i'm talking that to your auto autopilot that 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 will be model nine. <laughs> when, we have, when we have voice learning and a hologram. Well. Holograms, yeah, right, it, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the next thing, next thing is likely going to be voice cloning because yeah. I think the most, the most, those models are pretty sophisticated now. Yeah, they're impressive, and it, it's getting, yeah, it's getting cheaper as well. So mm -hmm. we we want to plug that in, and we we have access to the models already. Um, yeah. Okay. Can I say like how, who are, but, but whatever, like in, in, in a few months, technically you can talk, you can talk to your own personal AI that actually sounds like you, mm -hmm. not just from your voice, but you are with your own brain. That's the, that's the key, right? Like there are like voice demos that exist right now, but what's the point? I mean, if it is not really you, right? Uh, even in the metaverse and, you know, people talk about celebrities and influencers and everything else, and you have a perfect, like, avatar that is animated and perfect voice but where is the brain personal ai is the brain mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and I've, i think that with the voice stuff obviously there's a lot of you know controversy about that there's been interviews there was an interview with a former f1 race car driver i don't know if you heard about that one that came out and it wasn't really him obviously because he's in in rough shape they say but you know there's a lot of there's a lot of bad stuff going on but within within the context of personal AI, it's all, it's all based on your own choices and your own data. So there's really no, there's probably really no room for it to get misused in that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things like sometimes investors ask me is, Hey, why do you not have like a bunch of like AIs and demo AIs out there of people? Because it's against principles. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> we can create, like we, it, the, the, the thing is, uh, I mean, now 
there are people like and I share my AI and there are other people and some influencers right now, you know, who are willing to share their AIs to kind of see the power of the models behind the scenes. But like just misrepresenting an identity that is a living or dead being with the data that exists out there and creating something off of it, I don't know. I don't I don't feel that's the right thing to do because you are taking control away, specifically an identity control and misrepresentation. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't like it, and I don't want to be a company who would create tools to leverage that, but rather I would want to give control to them. Like, you know, even if that is an influencer, if a celebrity, now this is your destiny. This is, you You take control of how you would want to shape it. You don't want to talk about your life, you know, our childhood. That is great because it's your control because it's still your choice. Whereas, you know, like, yeah, anyway. So we can we can go deeper into that one, but I think it's it's super important to, especially in the age of like current AI, where you don't know where the hell data is coming from, how, how it is aggregated. Um, fun is good. Ta- getting tasks done, creativity is all like content generation is all good, but I think we need to push the needle towards the attribution and identifying the people behind the scenes and giving people the control of what it needs to be. Yeah, that's a good segue. I like I like to pick the brains of my guests about the general state of AI and the ethical concerns of where we're heading. What What do you believe are the most significant ethical concerns in AI development, especially when when dealing with the individual data and personalized AI models? Yeah, you know, I take a stance of, um, I take a stance of like individual, right? So, in other words, um. Once you start aggregating the data from many different people, the bias is going to exist no matter what. Being able to define what is right and what is wrong is very subjective. Because what is ethical currently in this country is probably different from some other country or some other group of people. But what, it, what is true to a particular individual is probably you know, true to themselves. So I think as long as we um, contain, we give control and the ownership to the identity of who the person is, I think that will lead to like better AI rather than uh, really, you know, forcing the models to be you know, combining aggregation of the data. So I, I, <laughs> given for the fact that I'm running a company called Personal AI, I would obviously <laughs> object <laughs> aggregating of the data without the permission. So mm-hmm. I, I do so. like I do like those models. I, I'm not saying technologically sure. I don't like them, but but for for the fact that AI is going to be integrated in everybody's uh, daily life, for the fact that the data capture is only going to be, you know, more prominent in our day to day lives because the devices not only are in my our pockets anymore, it will be on our bodies, in our homes, maybe inside the bodies as well, who knows. We have to switch the narrative on how the services are created from a typical, like a server-side architecture aggregating the data to an individual, you own the data, and this is a service on top of it. So I think there is still good economics that you can create around it. Like imagine, when you open up a phone app, such as Uber, right? 
Right now, what happens? You basically send your GPS location to Uber server so that way Uber can provide the service to you for giving you a nice black SUV. But now imagine like 10 years from now, you open the Uber app. Uber is actually making an API call to you, to your personal AI, right? Requesting where you are. So that way your data is not going anywhere. It's the transaction that Uber is doing with you mm, rather than you okay. doing a transaction with Uber, right? That is the 180 degree shift that needs to happen, but it will happen slowly. You know, I cannot promise that tomorrow, but that, that, is, the, that is the dream. And I think that that's basically where things are headed to in terms of privacy. Yeah, of yeah, actually, that, it, you're great at segues. I, that was my next question was, was how do you envision the, the, the future of AI, particularly with how we might be interacting with the technology? You, you see it as more, instead of us pushing our data out there, people you know, or, or apps or whatever are, are coming to us to get information? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's inevitable. I think there is a shift that has been happening. Um, I mean, just think about like the data, right? Like data is great, except that you need to have a utility from the data, right? In other words, we we were all okay engaging with the social media because there is a consumer utility. We want to connect with our friends. We want to exchange. We want to stay post. Uh, so we so 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 technically that is um, acceptable. Now, when we are just fighting for the data ownership, the fight is useless unless until you actually start creating utility out of it, right? There was an AI that is working on the other side of the other side of the things, which is you know, on our social media servers. So if I, you know, if I am friending with Kevin, I potentially have like other predictions of who are the people that I need to friend with. That's that's great. The, the AI was already there. The AI was already working on that on that front. So. We can now fight, okay, we need to have, you know, the ownership of the data and, you know, I need to control everything. That's great. But unless and until you create the utility of it, the data is useless. So I think it has to go hand in hand. And I think this is probably a perfect time, you know, in our internet era where the technologies or techniques to own the data as well as to create the utility from it is possible in a way that can alter how our future experiences will be, you know, without compromising on some of these core principles of what, I guess, you know, intentionally we, we all want to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's intentions are incorrect. Everyone wanted to create like a frictionless experience, but it wasn't possible. Uh, now it is. So I think people will drive towards creating those frictionless experience with these core principles in mind. So final question. If you could travel back in time and have a conversation with your younger self, what, what piece of wisdom <laughs> or advice would you share based on your experiences that you've gained through your journey in, in tech and AI and entrepreneurship? You should probably ask that my AI because it can be <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. I don't know. Why, why am I talking to you <laughs> about you? <laughs> Um, <laughs> let me think. Uh, I mean, I, I usually say a couple of things, right? I think as a technologist, I was always in love with the technology. And then once I started shifting a little bit of mindset in like experience first and problem first, the, how you think about the technical pieces that are needed becomes even more interesting, you know, because now you are on a mission, uh, not just like, 
the passion of the technology that you would have. So I think the the one thing that I would probably say is, you know, focus on the problem and the technology, you will figure it out. Like rather than, you know, taking the technology and trying to do something that, you know, may be needed or may not be needed, or maybe you'll take shortcuts like to do something, right? So I think problem first and then technology, uh, you can figure it out. And the second thing would be, um, I think I think generally, if if you are indeed creating a company or a startup or an entrepreneurship, I think there's always like ups and downs. You know, a bunch of investors will say no, but one of them will say yes. Uh, you will get like a lot of rejection, uh, but you'll also have like good, you know, times you know, with the customers where you are creating value. So it's always like ups and downs. Uh, so I think staying grounded uh, in both the sides when you, when it is up and when it is down, but like maintaining a good balance, I think is really important to sustain. Um, so I think that's probably what I would say. Just just stay grounded and then keep focusing and make progress to what your mission is. That's good advice for everyone. If someone wants to give personal AI a go, uh, how can they do it? S.personal.ai. So if you go there, you'll see chat with me. That will skip any waitlist that is on the uh, website right now. We are hopefully you know, trying to remove any barriers, uh, but we are still trying to figure out the scaling aspects of it. But if you go to s.personal.ai, you will directly land in a private message with me. That also means that you will be in the app. You can train your AI. You can invite your friends. You can uh, get your co-pilot uh, immediately going. So uh, I think it's beautiful, and I think everybody should do it. Uh, we have a mobile app coming up as well. So that's one of the reasons why I'm talking, you know, going to the podcast and sharing these stories, Kevin. Mm-hmm. So that's where we can get the word out uh, because we are, we are normal people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Suman, thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate you being here. And uh, again, that is uh, s.personal.ai. Uh, I will uh, uh, I'll go ahead and link to that in the show notes too so everybody can, uh, can, can know how to get there. So Suman, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. It was fun talking with you. And thanks to everyone out there watching and listening. Until next time, stay curious, stay creative.